Open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. As you're turning there, I'll add my welcome. Thank you all for being here, especially our visitors. It's good to have you here amongst us this morning. We seek to serve God as He has commanded us to do on this first day of the week. So we appreciate you being here among us on this Lord's Day. I wanted to start this morning by asking a few questions. First question is, how do you feel today? And you don't have to answer these out loud. How do you feel today? More specifically, how do you feel on this Lord's Day? Is this uh, day just like any other to you? Or is there something special about this day? And if there is something special about this day, what is it? For the Christian, this is, of course, a special day. This is the day we come together to worship our God. And to remember the great sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we have done this morning when we gather around the table. And I appreciate prayers and the words that were offered so far this morning. But are we doing this just because the calendar says it's Sunday? Well, it's Sunday. Well, Got to go to church. Or is there something that happens on this day that affects us on a spiritual or a physical or an emotional level? Any one of those levels. Is there something that takes place on this day that affects us on an emotional or a spiritual or a physical level? Let's consider a few events that happened on this particular day of the week, about 2,000 years ago or so. And we're going to use the account here in Luke chapter 24 to guide us through the events that take place on this day. So if you're there in Luke chapter 24, begin reading in verse 1, and we'll understand very quickly what day of the week we're talking about. Luke's account. In verse 1 of chapter 24, it says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Right away, we know what day we're talking about. Jay, in his comments around the table, mentioned the resurrection of our Lord. This is the day that we're talking about, the third day, the first day of the week. Verse 2. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When they entered, they did not find the body of our Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men uh, suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. And these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. 
Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only. And he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. As Jay mentioned again, I appreciate his words around the table this morning, talking about the body of our Lord was gone. Jay mentioned there was a guard there. He didn't do anything with the body. His life depended on protecting the tomb, right? Disciples didn't have the power, nor did they have opportunity to take the body. Where was the body? We, of course, know that Jesus rose from the dead. And that's the first thing that takes place here on this day in Luke's account, is Jesus being raised from the dead. Jesus had already told them this would happen. Although they didn't clearly understand it, as we'll look here in just a moment from Luke's account and understanding that, they didn't fully understand what it meant at the time that he was saying it earlier. But note there in verse 6, it says, He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, telling you that he was going to have to go to Jerusalem and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Look back in chapter 9 of Luke. Chapter 9 in Luke. Just to call to mind exactly what Jesus said. Chapter 9, verse 22, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Also in chapter 9, over in verse 44, says, let these words sink into your ears. For the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. Now notice verse 45. But they did not understand this statement. And it was concealed from them so that they might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this statement. So we understand that they, that they didn't understand fully at the time what Jesus was talking about. Look also over in, verse, uh, in chapter 18. A little more insight into this. Chapter 18, beginning verse 31. says, And he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Notice verse 34. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hidden from them. And they did not comprehend the things that were said. So while we understand that Jesus is telling them these things ahead of time, their ears were closed to it. The events of the day, whatever it might be. They didn't fully understand. But here in chapter 24... There's the prophecy is recalled to them. Don't you remember what Jesus said? He said he's going to be put to death and on the third day he's going to rise again. It was Jesus' mission to be crucified and then to be raised from the dead. He knew he would have to face this when he returned to Jerusalem. But he also knew that there was no hope of salvation without it. He knew that mankind would be lost in their sins without this sacrifice. John 15, verses 4 and 5, it says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. 
so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We understand that Jesus is the only way that salvation is granted to us through him, through his sacrifice, through the things that he engaged in and was put through during those three days. So first thing we see in Luke's account here in chapter 24 is Jesus being raised from the dead and the accounts that happened immediately thereafter with the people coming to his tomb and finding that his body is missing. Next in his account, we see the account of these two men as they were traveling the road to Emmaus. Pick up our reading in verse 13, back in Luke chapter 24. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Remember that number, seven miles from Jerusalem. We'll come back to it in a little bit. And they were conversing with each other about all the things which had taken place. And it came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are the things that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them said, named Cleopas, answered, said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened in these days? And he said to them, What things? I like the tone of the question. <laughs> are you the only one that doesn't know what's happened in these days that have taken place? One thing it shows is that these things took place in the eyes of men. These things didn't happen in a corner. The people of Jerusalem knew about the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But these two go on to talk about this mighty prophet, Jesus the Nazarene, and how he was crucified, put to death at the hands of men, and how they were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. But it was now the third day, and his body was missing. It says there, and they stood still looking sad. They knew about what Jesus had said. They were looking for the hope of the, uh, the redeeming of Israel. And their hope was in this man. And now he's missing. His body is gone. So we see their hope fading. Again, notice about the prophecy of these things taking place. Look in verse 26. Jesus says, Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter his glory? Here again, the prophecy is mentioned. The prophecy that he had to, fu to fulfill the law and the prophets, to travel to Jerusalem, to be crucified, to be raised on the third day. Notice in verse 27, Jesus goes on to explain himself to them. It says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained himself to them. These men were traveling on the road and talking about the things that were going on, and Jesus appears in their midst. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he told them about himself. And as they were approaching Emmaus, they begged him to, to come and stay with them. It was getting close to nightfall. They asked him to come in to their house and, and stay with them. And so he did. 
And as they sat down at the dinner table, it says their eyes were opened and they realized who it was. It was with them. It was the Lord. But immediately he vanished. Look in verse 32. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? As Jesus was teaching them, they had an emotional response. It says, were not our hearts burning within us? It must have been a powerful feeling. Because immediately, they got up and took the how many miles back to Jerusalem? Seven. They went back seven miles to Jerusalem to tell the others what they had seen even though it meant them traveling in the dark. Remember it said it was approaching evening when they stopped. Traveling in the dark in those days was dangerous business. This is when people fell into the hands of robbers and thieves. And they took that risk. Why? Because their hearts was burning, were burning within them. There was something in them that said, we have got to tell others what we have seen and heard. So they arrive back in Jerusalem and they find the apostles and the others that were there with them. And they tell them that indeed the Lord has risen. And while they were telling them about these things, he appeared. Look in verse 36. Back, let's back up to verse 35. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he recognized them uh, in the breaking of the bread. Verse 36. And while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. Here's Jesus again, appearing in the midst of them. Let's go and read a little bit more. Verse 37. But they were startled and frightened and thought that, he was, that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see me, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. When he had said this, he showed them the, his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. At first they thought they were seeing a ghost. They were terrified. But Jesus says there in verse 39, See my hands and my feet? Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, does he? And he goes on to further display his humanity by asking them if they have something to eat. And he sat there and he ate it before them. Jesus had risen from the dead, not a spirit, but in bodily form. As he said he would. And they are there beholding him, seeing him in the flesh, the Lord who has risen from the grave. And look what he goes on to tell them, picking up in verse 44. It says, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things that are written about me in the law of, the Moses, of, law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understanding the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that appearance... Uh, and, that, and that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. 
You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Notice again, he mentions the prophecy. In the three areas that we're looking at here in Luke 24, the prophecy is mentioned. The prophecy that he would be put to death at the hands of men, and on the third day he would rise. And indeed, that's exactly what happened. And while their understanding seemed clouded, as these events were taking place, as we look there in chapter 9 and chapter 18, these things were clearly written in the scriptures. Remember, Jesus keeps referring to the law and the prophets and the Psalms. Look back at verse 27. It says, And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Also look at verse 45 again. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This is the process which we gain biblical knowledge. Here it is, written out for us right here. The scriptures are explained to us by teachers, or by preachers, or by our brethren, or by our own reading. We understand the scriptures, and our minds are open to understanding it. The more we read and study and understand, the more our minds are opened to the scriptures. Jesus goes on, uh, this, uh, it go, the account goes on to say that they left Jerusalem and they went to as far as Bethany, and then Jesus departed from them. And they returned to Jerusalem, continually praying in the temple, praising God. We started this lesson talking about feelings, how we feel on this day. The events in Luke chapter 24 help us to understand the kinds of feelings that we should have about spiritual things. I'll call your attention back to verse 32. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? What was Jesus saying on the road? What was it that he was telling them? Remember verse 27, starting with Moses. He told them about himself. He was telling them the gospel. He was telling them the good news of the risen Savior. That's what he was telling them. Does your heart burn within you when you hear the gospel message? Or when you study the scriptures? hear the word of God? Does your heart burn within you? These two on the road to, Emma, uh, to Emmaus, uh, Emmaus, they begged for Jesus to stay with them. So he did. He abided with them. Do we want that today? Do we want the, uh, the spiritual conversation to continue? Or are we content just to walk out the doors here today and Go back out into the world and, and be content with what we've done here. Brethren, our hearts should burn within us when we hear the word of God. It happened to Jeremiah. 
In Jeremiah 20 and verse 9, he says, But if I say, I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then my heart, it becomes like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in. I cannot endure it. Do we feel that way if we try to shut out the Word of God, try to shut out our Savior Jesus Christ? It should burn so hot within us that we cannot hold it in. Like Jeremiah. If I try to do that, my heart's going to burn within me. It's going to consume me. I have to speak it. Like Peter and John did. We read from Acts chapter 4 there about Peter and John. When they're thrown in prison, they're told not to speak the gospel for fear of punishment. Remember what, he, what Peter said? We cannot stop speaking what has been seen and heard. We cannot stop speaking. And they went on to rejoice in that. Along with our hearts burning within us, there's something else that we can recognize from this passage, and that is joy. Notice in verse 52 and 53. And they returned to Jerusalem with what? With great joy. And were continually in the temple praising God. These who had seen the risen Christ, they were full of joy. He had fulfilled the prophecy of the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And now forgiveness of sins had been made possible. And they were joyous about it. Look back at verse 46 for a moment. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again uh, from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Verse 48, you are my witnesses of these things. Does this fill your heart with joy? To think about that, that man has been saved from their sins through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does it make you happy to know that salvation is available to all those who are obedient to God? But that salvation is only available through this one that we have been discussing. And that is Jesus Christ our Lord. John 14 and verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Is there a burning desire in our hearts to tell other people what we know? To tell other people about the gospel? And in telling them, are we joyous? Do we have the joy that these had, knowing that they had seen the risen Christ and that salvation Repentance was available to all men. I hope so. And I hope this lesson will rekindle, maybe, in us that fire. These two on the road to Emmaus said our hearts were burning within us as we were walking along the road talking to this one who they didn't know at the time was Jesus, the Lord and Savior. If you're not a child of God, cannot participate in the things of the kingdom. You're shut out from the kingdom, not being a child of God. 
If you are subject to the gospel call, we can help you. You can be baptized today. Hearing and believing, repenting, making the necessary changes in your life and confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That Jesus Christ is the one that prophecy spoke of. You're a candidate for baptism. You go down in the waters and wash away those sins. Coming up out of the water, a new creature. If as a child of God you've stumbled, if this fire is not burning in your heart as it should because of sin, make that right with God. If it's of a private nature, do that in privacy. If it's of a public nature, and you need to confess that before the brethren here, you can do that as well. What needs you might have, you can let us know by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.